would like to speak a little bit today. I'm going to speak from Romans, uh, Romans 15, verses 1 to 16. before we do. Lord, Heavenly Father, just uh, help us to have ears to hear what you are to hear. Don't listen to what what I'm necessarily going to be it, but I want to have the word of God go forth. And I, I can do nothing, but you can do everything. And it's your word that sets people free. So we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name. The book of Acts. This is awfully... Is that better? Can I hear me? That's better. Can you hear me? That's good. The Apostle Paul, he writes the book of Romans. He writes it from a little bit of background. He's in Corinth. He's got a heart to go to the Romans to uh, to encourage the church in Rome. He is taking a collection from the Corinthian church to take a gift to the people in Jerusalem because they're struggling. They might have been famine at the time. So he's got a lot on his plate. He's, uh, he's doing a tremendous work. He, it's written around about the time of, I guess, AD 56. 56. So it's around about in the middle of the uh, horrible period of the, uh, the Roman Emperor Nero. As we all know, for those of a little bit of history, quite a diabolical emperor particularly to Christians, brutal, would be a, an apt way to describe him. So the church and the Roman church is, you know, you know, under a bit of pressure, I reckon. A little bit of pressure there. Nevertheless, Paul actually hasn't been to Rome yet, but he actually knows a lot of Romans. Because at the end of the last chapter of Romans, he, he actually lists all these people you know, to say, to give greetings to. So he's obviously intimately involved in what's going on, the affairs of the Roman church, and he understands the, the real nature of what's happening on the ground in Rome. So I want to read this bit from, it's a fair slice of scripture, a good piece to digest. I'm going to read it from the, uh, the message version. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not to just do what is convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but he waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way scripture puts it. Even if it was written in scripture long ago, you can be sure it was written for us. How true that is. He's actually acknowledging what was written hundreds of years before him. And here we are thousands of years doing the same thing again. We're acknowledging that it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterise us, keeping us alert 
for whatever he will do next. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll all be a choir. Not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony to a stunning anthem to the God and the Father of our Master, Jesus. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Lloyd do it. Jesus, staying true to God's purposes, reached out in a special way to the Jewish insiders so that the old ancestral promises would come true for them. As a result, the non-Jewish outsiders, that's us, Gentiles, have now been able to experience mercy and to show appreciation to God. Just think of all the scriptures that will come true in what we do. For instance, then I'll join the outsiders in a hymn sing. I'll sing to your name. And this one, outsiders and insiders rejoice together. And again, peoples of all nations celebrate God. All colours and races give hearty praise. And Isaiah's word, there's the root of our ancestor, Jesse, breaking through the earth and growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and to take hope. And may the God of green hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace, so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit. That was Pentecost Sunday last week, wasn't it? Spirit came. Spirit of God's here. That you, so that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit brim over with hope. Personally, I've been completely satisfied with you, who you are and what you are doing. You seem to me to be well motivated and instructed, quite capable of guiding and advising one another. So my dear friends, don't take my rather bold and blunt language as a criticism. It's not a criticism. I'm simply underlining how very much I need your help in carrying out this highly focused assignment God gave me, this priestly gospel work of serving the spiritual needs of the non-Jewish outsiders so that they can be presented as an acceptable offering to God, made whole and holy by God's Holy Spirit. I find that's a, it's a good slice of scripture to digest. And uh, one of the things about Paul's writings, and I'm sure you're aware of these things, but Paul is writing, as I heard it described by Chuck Swindle, it's a magnum opus. It's the, it's the pinnacle of uh, Christian theology, the book of Romans. It lays out clearly the theology of the Christian life in a practical way, practical that we can actually live by. So it's a fabulous, fabulous thing. Uh, to, it's written also as a, a general book. It's actually written for all of us, 
for all Christians to engage with. The young camel says to his mother, she says, Mother, why have I got such big feet? And the mother says to the camel, That's so that we can walk in the soft sand carrying a heavy load. The young camel says to his mother, Why have we got such long eyelashes? The mother says to the young camel, That's so that we can see our way through the desert sandstorm, so we can see where we're going. The young camel then says to his mother, Why have we got such big humps? And the mother says to the camel, That's so that we can carry water and we can walk for miles through the desert, day after day, carrying the load. And then the young camel says to its mother, if that is all true, why are we in a zoo? Isolation can do a number on us. Isolation. Isolation, we see examples of isolation all around us in the community. We can see destructive effects of isolation I don't think there's any any positives in isolation at all actually people isolated physically sometimes we do it as a punishment sometimes people isolated in their mind isolated thinking can't see around the outside you become locked in the thought patterns of your mind when you become in that, when you arrive in that circumstances, often the outcomes are negative, really negative. We know that it leads to depravity, it leads to murderous behaviour, it leads to the um, the harming of oneself in all its forms. We've all seen that. We've seen those examples in our lives. It's a terrible thing. And here in verse one, we actually have a. Uh, something that we can actually do because we know that Christians are also susceptible to this. It says here, we can step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Is that true? Is it true? Something else we could do, we could be, we could uh, give a firm affirmation to one another. Husbands can affirm their wives. Do it. Wives can affirm husbands. Parents can affirm children. Children can affirm parents. And we can all affirm our friends. Really important. Important stuff. But you know, there's only so much this church and churches in general can do. We are like a relay team. And during the week, you have the baton. You've got the baton. Run with the baton. Do your job. Do your job. Teach your children. You teach the children. 
Don't let anybody else take control of that. You teach your children. If you struggle with that, get help. Find someone who can walk alongside you. Talk to me. I'd love to. Run with it through the week. Get engaged in the study of the Word of God on your own. Don't live on the messages just from here. Don't do that. They're actually pre-digested. Sort of a funny slant on it, you know what I mean? (laughs) Get some fresh stuff yourself. Remember, this is your book. This is the Word of God. It's written in your language. It's your move to read it. It's your move to claim it. It's your move to take its principles therein and put them to work in your neighbourhood. Your move. It's up to you, this is really important, it's up to you to allow this word, the word of God, to rebuke you. As you read this word, let it rebuke you. Let this word correct you. Not me. This is not my words. This is, this is what it says in here. This is when you do a little bit of self-heart surgery. Open heart surgery by yourself. Here I am, God. Here I am. This is what your word's saying to me. What do I need to change? Not what does my wife need to change. Not, not what does my son need to change. Not what my parents need to change. What do I need to change? I need to change. I have to struggle with that. You can allow this word to rebuke you, correct you, and it will lead you in righteousness. What is righteousness? We've been following Mike's series, you know. Righteousness is quite simply right living. Nothing complicated in that. Just doing what is right. Reading, following the scripture. You know, you won't get to being full of the knowledge of God by osmosis. You know what osmosis is? You know? So when I'm sitting next to someone else on the chair in church or in a Bible study or wherever it is, you know, that person next to you, you know, what they have just doesn't miraculously seep across the seat and into you and you've got it too. It doesn't work like that. It only comes by you intentionally reading the word yourself. It'll become because you personally disciplined yourself to read, to study and to grow up yourself with the scriptures. 
just recently I've been reading a psychologist. Uh, you may have heard of him, Jordan Peterson. And uh, in his book called uh, The Twelve Rules for Life. It's a secular book. But he has a, a really lovely description of discipline. I, I think this is really important. He describes discipline simply as this. He says, it's mercy. It's being merciful with a long-term view. When I discipline my sons, I discipline my sons because I was merciful to them. I was actually showing them mercy, telling them the truth. And I was doing that because I had a long-term view of where I knew they needed to be. I apply the same thing to myself. I'm actually being merciful to myself when I self-discipline myself. It's a whole new look at it, you know. I'm being merciful to myself. And I'm doing that because I've got a long-term view of where I know I need to be, where God tells me, God tells me I need to be. Different sort of picture. Be merciful to yourselves. Seriously. Kindness and mercy to yourself. Discipline yourself. See that decision. See that target down the road where you know you need to be. You know where your children need to be. Really important. You know, I just thank God. Thank God for this book. Oh, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. That book guides me and it guides all of us in a path that will never lead us astray. When Paul, verse 14, he gets to there and he's actually re- talking about the Roman church. He's, uh, he's actually really impressed with the Roman church. And he says that they're, they're fully aware and informed. So these people were actually pretty switched on people. They knew what was going on around them. But they've been digging into the word of God. These guys knew their word. They were fully informed, fully informed, walking down that path. When you gain that knowledge through the word of God, you see the world around you in a different light. I'm sure we all can see that, can't we? When I had the light turned on in my life, all of a sudden I'm looking at the world in a different perspective. My perspective changes. And it's all because the Word of God does that. It's the knowledge of God at work in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You realise just how far off the politicians are. You realise how far off the media is. And you are able to discern truth from error. You're able to see the subtleties, the subtleties of the messages and the things that the world thinks that you won't get, but you will get. Because you'll actually be seeing the truth. You'll be seeing beyond it. Seeing beyond it. Really important. Got to, this is, all comes from this. From reading this. The word of God, the truth of God, the truth that sets us free. Solid truth. 
So I can encourage you, just please get into the word of God for yourself. Dig in. Dig into it. I'll just read the last couple of verses again. Verses 14 to 16. Personally, I hope that God says this about us because God, God's looking at us, God's seeing us. You know, personally, I've been satisfied with who you are and what you are doing. You seem to me to be well motivated and well instructed, quite capable of guiding and advising one another. Well, you're capable of counselling one another, of talking truth to one another. Do it in mercy, do it in kindness. When it's done well, most people don't even know it's going on. So, my dear friends, don't take my rather bold and blunt language as criticism. It's not a criticism. I'm simply underlining how much we need your help in carrying out this highly focused assignment God gave us. This priestly and gospel work of serving the spiritual needs of the non-Jewish outsiders so they can be presented as an acceptable offering to God, made whole and holy by God's Holy Spirit. I think... uh, I think we sort of get that picture, you know. It's all a mission. And there's no, there's not just a department of mission in the church. Mission is actually, it's our vision for the future as Christians. It's the vision of the future. It's not just a department in the church, not a little room up the back there. It's all your vision for the future and it starts at the front door out there our community our community your community, my community my people your people all of them important desperately important to God desperately important to God each and every nation represented out there is desperately important to God the peoples of our community. So let's just remember that. Mission. Not the department in the back there, not just a group of people that are fussed about other people. It's actually everybody's responsibility. It's actually the, the vision of the future. It's your children, my children. It's, uh, it's a real privilege, actually. Absolute privilege. One of the things I can talk about my father, just so I finish off a little bit. I, I, I have a good relationship with my father. hasn't always been good. have ups and downs. But one thing I do really appreciate my father for, my father has a tremendous level of enthusiasm about God. Yeah, my father's a working man. He's a mechanic. and uh, But he has this tremendous enthusiasm for the things of God. Tremendous enthusiasm. 
I'm hoping that I can, I can rub some of that off into someone else too, you know, that I can, I can be the conduit of that to my children, to your children, to those around me, you know, enthusiastic for God and his word. Because this word is it. It's all you have. It's all any of us have got. Just this word. And it's just a magnificent, utterly magnificent thing. Come down the ages, written by all these different people. People die just so that Lloyd one day will have this book. These words, this truth. This moment of truth, the truth that sets you free. I just love that statement. It's a statement that really sticks with me, you know, that, that it's the truth that sets you free. Nothing else can set you free but the truth. Because when the truth comes to your life, it's a moment of time that you have an opportunity to change. That's all it is. You can pass it by. You don't even have to respond to it at all. But you can actually take that, grasp it, and run with it. Run with it. It's a bit like when calamity happens in your community, happens in your family. There's, there's different responses that can be taken. You can either grasp it and run with it. Hey, God, what's going on? Or I can retreat into isolation, isolate myself, put up another barrier. No good. No good. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, come through. Break through that barrier. Bring down that isolation. Let's do what Apostle Paul says. Remember, this is a practical book for Christian living, written in your language that you can understand so that you can apply it to your family, to yourself, in an intimate way. Intimate way. I think I've uh, probably done enough for today. <laughs> I'm going to hand over to Gary. Here you go. what I have to say complements what he has had to say. It's amazing how when you, uh, we just shared a few notes and we didn't tell each other a heck of a lot of what we were going to talk about. Uh, my theme was sowing and reaping. His was similar. And um, my theme is built on the promise or the premise of sowing and reaping. And uh, so let's get into it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 to 9, Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 9, and Luke chapter 8 verses 4 to 8 of the typical uh, story which we all should know, the parable which we all should know about sowing and reaping. First we have the parable and then the explanation, and I won't go into it all. My concentration wants to be on Luke chapter 8, verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. And as Lloyd says, that word bears repeating. But the seed on good soil, and we all should be good soil in here, stands for those with a noble and good heart. I think that's a great thing. That's a fabulous thing to say that um, if we're producing stuff, then we have a noble and good heart. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Lloyd spoke about the heart. So how is your heart today? Do a quick check-up. Touch your heart. Make sure it's beating. Are you breathing? Are you alive? Are you listening? Are you awake out there? Hallelujah. Are you really hearing the word today? Uh, in the book of um, 
uh, sorry, in the story of the prodigal son, in the, in the first, uh, the uh, Pharisees were there, but it was the sinners and the publicans who had come to hear and really hear and listen to the word and understand what the word was saying. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that's why they were Sadducee, was because all they had come to do was uh, criticize. So is the word sinking deep into your heart? Lloyd spoke about this as well. Into your memory bank. Are you retaining it? Hear the word, retain it, persevering. When necessary for every situation, are you sowing the word into every part of your life? What does your harvest look like? Because sowing is not talking about knitting and stitching. It's talking about sowing as in agricultural sowing, sowing seeds. And it's amazing how small seeds are and yet they can grow into a, into a massive crop. But um, what's your harvest like? Do you have a harvest? Galatians 5, 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, are we exhibiting, exhibiting that, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Are we seeing a harvest of souls? And that's mostly what the uh, Scripture is talking about here. Uh, but there are things that will stop us from getting there. And we have to look at that too. If uh, you're not there yet, maybe then you are persevering. Are you, sorry, are you persevering in reading and studying the word on a daily basis? Lloyd spoke clearly about the word too. Sometimes when I'm, most of the time or often when I'm teaching on prayer, one of the most important things I explain is that when you are praying for someone, you need a wealth of knowledge of scripture to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. You need a well, you need this deep inside your spirit to be able to draw upon that so that you can meet the needs of the people that you're praying for. A scripture is powerful. It's active, as the word says, it says itself, like a two-edged sword, discerning, cutting, moving, alive, healthy, correcting. And correcting is mostly what I probably am going to focus on today. We do have choices. Deuteronomy spoke uh, way back in Deuteronomy. God was speaking to the people and to Moses, and he said, I put before you two things today, uh, <clears throat> life and death. Choose life, and this is the way we have to choose life. Um, the Holy Spirit can then help you to recall those words in order to meet the needs of those you are praying for, for the family, for yourself, and by persevering, you will produce a crop. Patience, persistence, perseverance, and you will produce a crop. Fall down. Pick yourself up again, dust yourself off and start all over again. Many years ago, many years ago, about 20 years ago when I was first baptised in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I had a dream that I know was from God. And it was an amazing dream and it scared me just a little, <laughs> surprised me just a little. But it was exciting to a new believer and to think that God would speak to me in a way like that. But the main thrust of that dream was that he was saying to me, you have skills and talents that I need to use to advance the kingdom of God and to produce a harvest. But in everything I say to you, everything, you must obey me. So I'll try to talk about that today, obedience and also the skills and talents. And each and every one of us, I'm not the only one, it's not just me. God is no respecter of persons. It's just not me who has skills and talents. Each and every one of you have skills and talents, but you, it is up to you, it is your responsibility to draw upon them, to draw them out, to hunger, to really hunger and thirst for the things of the kingdom of God, even when you might be feeling down and out. 
but it's up to you. You have to stir it up. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gifts that have been placed in you. Stir up the gifts. And he's talking to us. Stir up the gifts and the talents. And again, it's the typical of the, and the scripture is quite a long scripture, so I won't go into it all. But Matthew 25, verses 14 to 28. Uh, the uh, king or the owner of, a, of the land uh, is going away on a very long extended journey. And uh, he has three servants that he leaves behind and he gives them talents. And I love the word talents. In the latest NIV version, it talks about bags of gold, but I like to think of it as talents. And I think of it as talents that uh, you and I have given like I just spoke a minute ago. And uh, all three of them were giving various amounts. And my old NIV says that the talents that they were given uh, were worth $1,000 each. So the one who had five was given $10,000 in those days. I don't know what that would be like today. The next one was given two talents, $2,000. And the last was given $1,000. But we all know, and I want to focus mostly on the one who was given the one talent. And he did absolutely nothing with that. He produced nothing. He buried it in the ground and he left it in the ground because he was fearful of his master. And uh, the rebuke he got was pretty powerful. Uh, this parable, the, the word, Lloyd has said, the word is for us. This parable is for us. It's for you and I. Uh, it means as much to us now as it did to the people who were listening to it back then. Two wise servants, they sowed and they reaped. They reap to harvest. They reap double of what they sowed and what they put away or what they invested or whatever they did. The third servant did absolutely nothing with the gold he had been given. And the judgment he suffered was to be called lazy and wicked. And what he did have was taken away from him. So it, 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 the, his punishment was, I, I believe, excommunication. He was tossed out uh, because th- this, uh, I think it's third, he says, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I think he was condemned. He was totally condemned, kicked out. I am convinced that we are not here just for the ride, but our sole reason for existing on this planet is to glorify God. And one of the major ways that we do that is by advancing the kingdom of God. The Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, as it is in heaven. And we do that by say, sowing and reaping, by getting souls into the kingdom of heaven, speaking the word. How we do that? Well, I don't know. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel on all occasions. When necessary, use words. We do have to speak. We do have to say what we're doing. But what we do also is a powerful, powerful witness to what uh, to impact those people around us to draw them to us, to build up relationships with them so that when we have the honour and the privilege to speak into their lives and lead them into the kingdom of God. And Lloyd spoke about that in some ways, uh, the example we set. And how do we do it? Well, just go here. Like he said, the book. Read the book. Like I said earlier, let it sink deep into your spirit. Follow it closely. Look, we all muck up. You know, I muck up regularly. Make a hash of things. We all do. But again, we repent, we keep short accounts, we say, Lord, forgive me, and we move on. And we start all over again. Although we start from a point that is just a little bit further than where we were before. Because hopefully, as I said before, 
the word has sunk deep into us. We have learnt, and we learn by our mistakes. We learn from our mistakes what we've done wrong, as to how we need to do what we need to do to sow and to reap. So now we come to John chapter twelve, verse twenty-three. My Bible study notes say this is Jesus explaining why he must die, and we all so must die, die to self. Jesus replied, "The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified." Very truly, I tell you. Now, this is strong emphasis when Jesus says, "Very truly," or "Truly, truly," or in the old King James, "Verily, verily, I say unto you." He's not messing about. This is life and death. This is serious business, solemn words. And he says, "Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds." Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. That's you and I. My Father will honour the one who serves me. That's you and I. He's talking about. He will honour us. This is the classic example of sowing and reaping. This is the most powerful example of sowing and reaping. Jesus has to die. To produce many seeds, and we know that his death has produced more seeds than we can count or imagine throughout the last two thousand plus years. So now it's time for a smile break because <laughs> we're getting serious here. But I just want to encourage you, encourage you, because this life is so exciting. Yes, we get tested and we get criticised and we get persecuted, but this is what it's all about. We can't turn away from this. We concentrate on this. We must do this. It is for us. And to encourage you, I think Lloyd spoke about some seeds that they found uh, in China or somewhere. I remember at least ten years ago, uh, I heard a report about the um, uh, in the Valley of the Kings in Egypt, and uh, they opened the tombs of King Tut or somebody like that, pretty important sort of fella, and they found seeds. <clears throat> so they planted them, and they grew. And the Lord said to me very clearly. He said, "See, He said, all you have to do is plant a seed. Plant a seed in everything we do, sowing and reaping. We have not seen the harvest yet. The harvest is going to be amazingly, incredibly big. But we're seeing a trickle, and a trickle can come a flow, and a flow can come become a mighty river. And we must not lose heart in doing that, Anna Marie." Plants seeds constantly when she runs mainly music, when she runs first place for help. Connect group leaders: Ravi, uh, Simon, Esther, uh, Sue. All of these people out there. When you pray for someone, when you actually pray for something, you are sowing seeds. You are calling upon the word of God. You are transferring them, like the Lord was talking about osmosis. Well, perhaps this is a sort of osmosis. I'm not sure, but you are transferring that to the people that you are praying for. And you are obedient, being obedient to the word of God, the gospel. What are we are called to do to advance the kingdom of God here on earth, sowing and reaping. But what is your harvest? Do you have a harvest? That also is a challenge. The kicker in all of this is we are expected to do the same. We are expected to die to self. No, it ain't easy. 
It never was meant to be easy. It's Falcon Fraser. I don't know whether he knew what he was saying many, many years ago when he said life's not easy. No, it's not easy. But it can be a joy and we can retain our joy if we are persistent, if we are consistent and we continue to sow. We are to persevere, continually sowing into people's lives so that we may reap a mighty harvest, dying to self. That is the sole reason we are born. This is the very reason we exist, to sow and to reap a harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. And he has given us every tool we need to accomplish that very thing, mostly through the word of God. But what is the alternative? What our disobedience will accomplish for us? What did it say back there in John 12, 23 to 26? Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Hell is not a pleasant place. And that's a very scary thought. I need to see this daily. I need to be confronted by this daily to keep me on the right track. We all do, I believe. There are many ways we can sow and reap, and I've just mentioned uh, some of them. Prayer is a manner of sowing and reaping. Giving is a manner of sowing and reaping. Again, the kicker, again. 2 Corinthians 9, chapter, uh, verses 6 to 7. Remember this, Paul is speaking. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Mostly everything we do to advance the kingdom of God is a form of reaping and sowing. In the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verses 7 to 10, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. This is not easy. This is in our face. But we need to hear it. We need to know it. But we need to be encouraged by this. There is always the good things as well. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not come up. Blessings and punishment, life and death, choices. Sow correctly and earn eternal life. Sow incorrectly or not at all, and earn eternal damnation. This is just a quick word from Nelson Mandela. And it's not quite sowing and reaping, but it still continues the theme of what I've tried to uh, get across to you today. Our deep, this is Nelson, sorry, this is the beginning. Uh, here, whatever. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented and fabulous? And sometimes we don't think we are, but in God's eyes we can be. And it's our duty to explore that and do it. We're called to be humble, but humility is not what the world... The world thinks that humble is, is a cowardly type thing, but in God it's not. It's recognizes it's recognizing who we are in Christ, that without him, John fifteen five, we can do nothing. You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to manifest the glory of God that is within us. As we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And that's it. Lloyd spoke about family. 
bringing people along with us, our family. I've got a list a mile long of people I'm praying for, our family, our friends, our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters. And that's what we're called to do. Sow and reap a harvest. Consequences if we don't. Some bad, some not so bad, but obedience. Obedience to the call that God has placed upon your life. Obedience to the gospel. Obedience to everything we need to do to bless him, to worship him, to look after the king, to uh, serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I thank you. Father God, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the ears that have come today to hear what you have been saying through Lloyd and I. Lord, I pray that uh, we will be encouraged to go out and be obedient to all that you have called us to do, that we will seek our talents and our gifts that you have placed in our lives with hunger and thirst and build your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, if the band would like to come up, you're dismissed. If you'd like to go now, you're free to go. We'll play one last song. And then if you need prayer for any reason at all, please please feel free to come forward for the prayer team to pray with you. Thank you very much.